Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter four. And can we do something that we haven't done here in a while? Would you mind standing for the reading of the word this morning? What if you're like, I do actually. That's why you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, okay? <laughs> Colossians chapter four. Sadly for me, this is probably going to be the last message in the Colossians series. How many of you guys have been enjoying the book of Colossians? Are you kidding me? The book of Colossians. Good job, Paul. Good job, Holy Ghost. Colossians chapter four, this message surprised me. It kind of just jumped up and grabbed me. And uh, I think it's going to be good. Here you go. Colossians chapter four, verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all of the news about me. He is a dear brother. Let that just settle in. He is a dear brother. Who is your dear brother? Who is your dear sister? When you look around, when you think about people that have been in the yoke of life with you, the people who have celebrated you, stood by you, checked on you, prayed for you, reached out to you, invited you over, who is your dear brother? Listen to the affection in that. Tychicus, who is Tychicus? He is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who was called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all of the, who knew the rolling credits? Who knew the rolling credits would be so powerful? Who is this man Epaphras? He is a man that is in a prayer closet, wrestling strongholds to the ground for you. He is a man that you may never meet, but he is wrestling the will of God at work in your life for you. Last week, I was up at the North Campus. I was in the HR department looking for a badge because we all have to have badges now to be on the campus. And I ran to this faithful old saint who comes in every week and prays for the staff. And I said, I need to meet you. And she says, I will be praying for you. She says, what's your name? She pulled out this old school little tablet, this little, little pad. She says, what's your name, son? She had to be in her mid seventies, wrote my name down. She says, do you have an office up here yet? 
She says, because I go to all of the pastor's offices and I pray for these pastors and you can put your prayer request right outside the door and I'm praying for you. Epaphras is wrestling in the spirit for you. Wrestling, locking up for you until you get a breakthrough. Come on, we need the Epaphras ministry to be raised up. Everett, I'm going to start calling you Epaphras. And I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Look at how many people are sending greetings. I just think that's incredible. What is that? What is that? Christy was like, I think Paul was just writing letters and somebody would roll by and they'd be like, oh, are you writing to the church? Tell him I said hello. <laughs> and I said, I think that's right, but I think, it's a little, I think it's a little deeper than that. I think what you see here is the affection of the church. I think what you see here is if any of you knew that I was going to Eswatini that have been there, I think you would say, hey, you make sure that you tell Londi Way that we are praying for her. You make sure that you, you wrap your arms around them and you love on those, kill, those kids for me. That's what's happening here. This isn't, a, oh, hey, you tell them I said hi and you keep going. You, you, you say, they're in my heart. See, Paul isn't writing just doctrinal letters. He's writing to people. People people who have stories, people that he longs to be with. Now the book of Colossians is written to a people he's not met, but there is a Holy Spirit divine affection that is inside of him for this people. I love you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. We're sending you greetings. We're thinking about you. You're in my heart. I can't wait to be with you again. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Listen to this. The church at Colossae, probably dozens and dozens and dozens of house churches, the letter of God is going to a people. The words of God are written to a community of people. And with the exception of Jude and Philemon, every letter in the Bible is written to a community. They're not written to individuals. When you read the scriptures, you have to read the scriptures as us and we. When God is saying something, he is saying it to us. This is why it matters that we stay connected into the house of the Lord. Don't miss what God is saying to us. Just because you got a word in your private quiet time. Verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it, that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Father, today in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of the living God, impregnate us today. Put something inside of us. Holy Spirit, move inside of us. Holy Spirit, convict us where we need to be convicted because you are the only one who can convict us in a way that we don't feel condemned. You're the only one who is the master surgeon who inserts, God, the sword of your word in a way that cuts, but it brings healing and it brings life. Holy Spirit, today, 
jar our memory, jar our attention. Holy Spirit, today, I pray that you would prod us and that you would provoke us. I pray that you would encourage us. Holy Spirit, today, I pray that you would put your hands on someone today and that you would mark them, that you would mark them, God. I I just sense today, you guys, that today could be a day where somebody has either a new calling or a renewed calling. I remember sitting in services where I felt like God was just mantling me and he was calling me. And God, I pray today that you, that you would just send out callings today. Send out invitations today in the name of Jesus. Let's give a big, loud amen. 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 Awesome. All right, let's have a seat. Colossians chapter 4. We'll begin right there. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Who is... Tychicus. Tychicus is actually mentioned five times in the scriptures. And every time that Tychicus is mentioned, virtually the exact same thing is being mentioned about Tychicus's life. Look with me again at second or at Colossians chapter four, verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, these three things. Number one, he is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister, and he is a fellow servant in the Lord. Today, I want to talk, as we end our time in Colossians, about growing as a faithful minister. Growing as a faithful minister. There's three things that we see about Tychicus. We see that he's a dear brother. We see that he is a faithful minister. And we see that he is a fellow servant. And I really wrestled with this because initially I was like, okay, there's so many names. There's so many relational things that are happening here at the end of Colossians. We're going to call this growing in relationship. And then I I just got struck by Tychicus. And then I got baffled as I was looking at these two words, because if you look at faithful minister and fellow servant, I thought, aren't those the same thing? I mean, the word is diokinia, where we get the word deacon, which means minister and servant. And then I thought to myself, why would you differentiate these two ideas that you would call him a faithful minister, but then turn around and call him a fellow servant? Every single person in this body has an invitation to be a dear brother or sister. You have an invitation to be a faithful minister. Last week we talked about growing in maturity. It is not God's will for you to remain a spiritual infant or toddler for the rest of your life. Some of us have been in the church for decades and still acting like a junior hire been in the church for decades and still going me and mine and me and mine and what about me and mine and guys God is calling his church at large and he's calling this church in particular to mature as Paul is ending his life and he's writing a couple of epistles to a guy by the name of Timothy he writes to these guys and he says Timothy as you go back to Ephesus and you get that place in order and you establish leaders and you put elders in place he says this he goes it is a good thing to desire to be an elder it's a good thing it's noble it's noble in other words there is a trajectory in our life towards maturity there is a trajectory there is an aim there is a goal there is something that we should be shooting towards in our spiritual life Guys, I want to awaken inside of you a desire to, I want to awaken a desire inside of you to lead. 
I want to awaken a desire inside of you to become more spiritually mature so that you can put your fingerprints on what God is doing, not only in this house, but in your families, in your table groups, in your neighborhood, in your business, in your schools. I want to awaken a desire to think about leading in a greater capacity, to be a faithful minister. Four things I see in Tychicus's life. Can we put that back up here? Colossians chapter four, verse seven. Let's go, uh, number, number one, let's go to the next verse. I am sending him. Let's start right there. Tychicus was a man who was sent. I am sending him. He was a man that was under authority. He was a man who knew how to take orders. He wasn't just someone who went whenever he desired. He was someone who submitted and committed himself to the ministry that Paul had. I am sending him. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 1. I wasn't sure if I was going to go here, but I think this is something that we all need to hear this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus had 12 disciples. And of those 12 disciples that he invested three concentrated years of a full-time internship with these guys, one of the guys ended up defecting at the end of Jesus's ministry. What's his name? Judas. Judas goes out and sadly he ends his life. He dies by the way of suicide. He, he, he hangs himself as a result of his intense guilt and condemnation. And after Jesus resurrects from the dead and Peter kind of finds himself leading the early church, Peter goes to all those that are assembled and he says in verse 21, it's necessary to choose someone to fill Judas's seat at the table. So look at the qualifications here. It's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the entire time that Jesus was living among us. Let me ask you this. Who are Matthias and Justice? Who are they? You don't know. Because Justice and Matthias are very simply faithful men who followed Jesus from the moment his ministry started. Look at this, beginning from John's baptism. Do you imagine how many times those guys could have got offended? How come I'm not going into the Mount of Transfiguration? How come you didn't ask me to go into J. Iris' daughter's room? How come I wasn't one of the ones who got to distribute the loaves and the fishes? How come you didn't bring me into the inner courts when you were teaching about the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom? And yet, Justice and Matthias were there from day one. Wow. Hidden, faithful Men who never had to be seen, who never had to be congratulated, who never had to be celebrated. They only wanted to be faithful to Jesus. And Jesus, we're here. We're here. We're going to show up. We're going to be available. The moment you call on us, we're going to be right there. You need someone to hand out loaves and fishes, we'll be there. Jesus, pick me. I'm going to be present. Sometimes some of you guys are looking around and wondering, how come nobody ever picks me on their team? Some of it's because you don't show up. Many of you guys know basketball is my passion. When I was a kid in the ninth grade, man, I was on, you know, they had the A team, the B team, the C team, the JV, the varsity. And in the ninth grade, I was on the ninth grade A team, right? And then between the ninth grade and the 10th grade, we had this new coach that came in and it overtook the entire basketball system. And everything was flatlined and everything was starting from scratch. And so you have, you have tryouts. And I'm rolling in there going, dude, I was on A team last year, y'all. I'm A squad. I roll up in the tryouts and I don't even make the team. 
I didn't even make the team. Thank you, Sadron. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I mean, I may not be Kobe status, but I can at least make the team, right? I can ride the bench, but at least put me on the team. Homeboy didn't even make the team. And I remembered, man, out of that grief, out of that sorrow, out of that frustration, I went home and I was like, what am I going to do? This is an entire, I cannot go an entire year and not play ball with a group of people. I can't. So you know what I did? I went to practice. Like you weren't on the team. I know. I went to practice. You weren't invited. I know. I went to practice. And for weeks, I sat on that bench and I just watched. I was like, because when I get on the team, man, I got to know what the plays are. I got to know what the drills are. I got I to know what's up. So I just watched. Okay, they did that drill. You know what I did? After practice, I went home and I did those drills. I watched the plays. I said, when I get in the game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run those plays because I know what those plays are. I'm going I'm, to I'm be by myself like this. Because I, <laughs> I knew what the plays were. Outside of my driveway like this. Three weeks before the first game, every afternoon from three to five, I sat on those bleachers, man, and I went to practice. One day the coach walks by and he goes, get in the locker room and get you a jersey. (laughs) He put me in the first game. Show up to practice. Show up. Show up to the prayer meeting. Show up to the leadership meeting. Show up to the ministry crew meeting. Show up on Zoom. Show up. Be there. Be seen. Be present. Be ready. Take notes. Be prepared. Don't get offended. You want to be a faithful minister? You ain't got time for offense. I have a friend of mine, Pastor Calvin Johnson, pastors Emmanuel Baptist South here in this city. He told me the story on Thursday right there in that foyer. Calvin told me he was at UCCS as a college student and he wrote a paper and turned it in and the teacher called him in, the professor called him into class or called him into his office after class. And he said, who wrote this paper? Calvin was like, excuse me? He said, who wrote this paper? Calvin's black, by the way. Professor was white. That's important, it matters. I'm gonna tell you why. Because the professor says, there's no way that somebody like you could have written this. And he's like, Hold up. And he goes, listen, you can protest this if you want. You know, this is like 40 years ago. He's like, you can protest this if you want. And he goes, but I'm also the head of the chair that, that you know, receives all the complaints and this isn't going anywhere. So I'm going to give you a B because I know that you didn't write this. Calvin went home. He's upset. He's frustrated. He tells his mom and his mom says, okay, what happened? He tells the whole story and his mom says, get over it. He's like, What? She says, your goal is to finish. Your goal is to finish. You're right here and you got a long way to graduate, boy. And if you get bitter and offended and frustrated over one paper, she goes, you are not going to finish. And your goal is to finish. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing in the overall overarching cause of justice in America. I'm talking about in that moment, in that moment of Calvin Johnson's life, had he got bitter and offended, he would not have finished. And I'm here to tell you guys today, your job, your job description is to become a maturing 
faithful minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has assignments for you. God has things for you to do. And if you take yourself out because you weren't on the A-team, if you take yourself out because Jesus didn't call you to the Last Supper, just keep showing up. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Look at verse 14. I love this. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus tells his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. Wait. Sometimes the very best thing you can do is be faithful in waiting. Don't get lazy. Don't get indifferent. Don't get passive. Don't get neutral. There is an active waiting. It means you are still preparing. It means you are still doing something while you are patiently waiting for whatever it is that God opens up for you. Don't check out. Let's look at Acts chapter one, verse 14. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Do you know who was there? A guy by the name of Matthias and a guy by the name of Justice. Let's keep reading Acts chapter one. You're like, why do you keep mentioning these names? Let's go back to verse 22, Lauren. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from them, for one of these men must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. This is the Tychicus ministry. This is the ministry of faithfulness in the hidden places. Verse 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. You know whose motives are pure. You know who's been faithful. Guys, listen, when someone else gets chosen before you, over you, God knows hearts. And so many times what I have found in 20 years of vocational ministry is, what are you doing when you're not chosen? What comes out of you? And you're like, you don't want to throw this back on somebody, but the truth be told, when someone starts manifesting because they didn't get chosen, you kind of want to say, dude, you're doing it right now. (laughs) Krasada, you're doing it right now. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the level of rage and intensity and frustration and you just flying off the handle with offense. God knew that was in there. And sometimes you need to not be chosen so God can reveal to you what's actually in your heart. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. To be someone who is trusted. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Let me just get right to the heart of this this morning. If you want to grow in faithful ministry, you have to grow into a person who can be trusted. Can you be trusted? Worship rehearsal is on Saturday night and it's a sacrifice. And somebody calls you up and goes, hey, we're going up to the mountains this weekend. And then you're all like, <coughs> Pastor Jonathan, I'm sorry, I can't make it. 
and you're ghost, you can't be trusted. And then you get all hurt, like, how come he never get me? Because you can't be trusted. Showing up late. Pastor John is like, hey, dude, just seriously, like, just work on these chords, man. Just like, here are three chords. Doom, 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 doom. I mean, just work on these. Go, oh, please, practice. Show up the next week. What song are we playing again? And uh, what? Not, you can't be trusted. Practice. Come ready. Are you hearing me this morning? Faithful ministry is the result of a lifetime of quiet discipline that promotes you to a place where you can be trusted. Trusted with your attitude. Trusted with your influence. You're talking sideways, you're slandering, you're gossiping. Listen, listen. I know, I know, because it always gets back to me. It just finds its way here. I don't know how it does. Little birds just... Hey, did you hear? And I just, I just, can you be trusted with your mouth? Can you be trusted with your thoughts? Not every thought needs to be shared. I told you I needed help. I I told you I need you to pray for me today. Can you be trusted with what comes out of your mouth? Not every opinion, not every thought, not every perspective needs to be vocalized with every person that you have a hearing with in your presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this then is how you ought to regard us. You ought to regard, this is the apostle Paul. This is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those who have been trusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Every single one of you are carrying something that God has trusted you with. Whether it's a family, whether it's a book, whether it's the ability to write, whether it's the ability to sing, whether it's the ability to you know, be a general contractor, whether it's the ability to build businesses, every single one of you have been entrusted with something. Some he gave five, some he gave three, some he gave one. He's given every single one of us our own measure of talents and abilities, and he's saying, I'm trusting you with this. Take it, grow it, make it better, use it for the kingdom of God. I'm trusting you with this. Every person in your life, every relationship in your life has been trusted to you. It's been, you know, you know, the problem is, is we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We're saturated and we're inundated and we're spoiled. And our identities are built up on how many people like us on Facebook. No, why don't you just take five of those people and invest into them? Why don't you take five of those people and pray for them? Take five of those people and reach out to them. Call them, text them, check up on them, write their names in your journal, carry them in your heart. You have been trusted with these people. Let's look at the next verse in verse two. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Go back to Colossians chapter four. Tychicus will tell you everything that is happening with me. He is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister and he is a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you. I am sending him. He is commissioned with an assignment because people who've been faithful can be trusted with assignments. Let me say this again. People who have been faithful can be trusted with assignments. Do you know the very first thing that Jesus asked Peter to do in Luke chapter five? You know the very first thing he asked him to do? Move the boat. That's the very first thing he asked Peter to do. 
Peter, the one who stands up on the day of Pentecost and launches the church into its existence, the very first thing that Peter is asked to do. Peter, just move this boat for me, please. Wait a minute, Peter, man, I love Jesus. You don't understand, man, I'm called to be an apostle. You don't understand, man, I'm going to write epistles. You don't understand, man. He's like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. That's cool. Move the boat. Right? Do your homework. Clean your room. Make the schedule. Show up on time. Turn off the TV. Move the boat. Move the boat. Jesus steps into the boat and he's like, I need someone to move this boat out just a few feet from the bank so that when I preach, the waves will amplify my voice and I can speak to thousands. Peter, will you just move the boat? It's not, it's not difficult. It's not difficult. Prepare for the table group leader meeting. Prepare for the business meeting. Walk your neighborhood. Pray for your clients. Move the boat. Be ready. Be ready. I am sending him to you for the express purpose. Listen to this language. He is a man who is commissioned underneath the authority of another person. Do you know how to follow someone else's directions? Like right now, just wrestle that to the ground. Just set that aside and go, do I always chafe when someone else asks me to do something? Do I always flip out and have an attitude when someone else corrects me? When, else, when someone shows me a different way. As I know, every one of your ideas are the best ideas. I know that. I know that. I know that every single one of you guys are brilliant. I'm not, you are brilliant. And I know that all of your ideas are the best ideas. But sometimes, for the sake of collaboration, for the sake of getting something done, for the sake of moving forward, for the sake of being on a team, for the sake of unity, you need to submit your great idea to the idea of the team. And you just need to just move forward and be a part of the team. I am sending him with the express purpose. It's gonna get good here in a second. Are you guys ready for this? Like this is all the buildup. So that Tychicus can tell you about our circumstances. Go to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13. The scripture says like a snow cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. In other words, like a big, giant, tall glass of lemonade, when you're out working in the heat, the refreshing, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all do, do yard work, don't you? Y'all do stuff outside, don't you? <laughs> Kirby, Kirby's the only one here who knows, Kirby and Mike are the only ones who know what I'm talking about. There's nothing like a tall glass of something that can just satisfy you with ice in it. <laughs> like a snow cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger. Trustworthy messenger. Are you seeing a theme here? What does that mean? It very simply means, Zach, if I want you to go tell uh, Pastor Jonathan this thing, don't embellish it. Like, write it down, be detailed, capture the spirit of it capture the essence of it and go and you do whatever you need to do to make sure that you get that message. Do you realize that we wouldn't have the book of Colossians today if Tychicus wasn't a faithful minister? 
this hidden man that nobody knows about. And yet the entire church of Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis and the entire church throughout church history now has the words of Paul that have become canonized into scripture. Why? Because some unsung hero that nobody knows about who gets a little nod in the rolling credits of the movie is, is written down right here. Tychicus is a dear brother and he is a faithful minister and he is a fellow servant. And I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that he will let you know about our circumstances. What does that mean? It means he was close enough to Paul to know what was going on in Paul's life and ministry. It means that he was trusted in the inner circle of Paul's life. It means that he knew how to keep his mouth shut. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all, don't abuse the, the privilege of the inner circle that God has brought you into. Just because you have some need to like be the carrier of information. I know something you don't know, right? <laughs> oh, did you know? Did you know? Did you hear? Oh, I heard, man, shush. Keep that stuff to yourself. Be trusted. Tychicus is traveling with Paul. He's one of Paul's closest companions, which means that he sees Paul's humanity. It means that he sees Paul when Paul rolls up on Barnabas and he's like, you better get your, your homeboy John Mark out of here. We are not rolling together anymore. Right? And he's like, ooh. <laughs> right? And Tychicus is not exploiting that. And Tychicus is not judging Paul based on that. Tychicus is like, yep, you are human and I am human and I am called to you. And I will protect you and I will follow you. And I will be a faithful envoy. When you tell me the, the most glorious thing that Tychicus had was, hey, send this letter to the church of Colossae. He's a faithful messenger. He's a faithful messenger. You can trust what he says. You can trust what he says. He's going to get it there. Like Paul is in prison. He's writing to a bunch of Christian babies and is like, I got to make sure that they get this word that I'm sending to them. Who am I going to send? Who am I going to send? Who am I going to send? Every time, you know who he's going to send? Tychicus. Do you know how I know this? Because it's over and over and over. Again, go to Ephesians chapter six. That just blew me away. Who is this man? Ephesians chapter six. Look with me at verse 21. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing. Look at this. Who is this man? He is a man who in the quiet places of the ordinary moments of life was a man who was trusted. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of truth. He was a man of character. He was a man who was responsible. He was a man that once you gave him something small, no matter how small it was, he did it and he did it well. And he came back and he says, is there anything else you need me to do? It's not hard. It's not glorious. It's not glamorous. But over the course of time, just take, just take inventory, guys. Take inventory. Take inventory of your life. Go home, pull out your journal and say, what are the things that God has explicitly put in my path? And then give yourself to being the most quiet, trusted, faithful person to grow those things, to make them better. Make them better. 
This is simple. This is what you do. You take inventory and you say, God, what are you shining your light on that you want me to grow and make better that you've given to me? And he will not overload you. He knows exactly what you can handle. He knows exactly what needs to be done first. And when he shines his light on that, just do it. Do it quietly. Don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> hey, everybody, look how I'm growing. Look how I'm not just, just do it. Just do it and become better. And at the right time, in the right way, the right person will tap their finger on your shoulder. And before you know it, your field will grow. Your field will grow. Your field will enlarge. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything. The man was detailed. The man paid attention. The man listened to the heart and the spirit of the message that needed to be conveyed. When Paul wrote something down or when Paul spoke, Tychicus said, I'm going to make sure that I convey this in the exact way that you're conveying this. Like, I want you to think about this. Let's just go ahead and use a case study. I mean, like, I don't know, for example, let's say a church was merging into another church, just for example, right? Just for example. And, and let's say, let's say, you know, exhibit A uh, is, oh yeah, I hope they know what they're getting into. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. You know, I'm for it. It's fine. I mean, I'm gonna stick around for a little bit. But you know, I don't know, you know that. What, what, yeah, but it's, no, it's good, it's, it's, it's good, it's fine, right? Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, I was there at Family Talk. Yeah, I heard those, yeah, no, they're, they're, I mean, they're cool, I guess. Versus the spirit of Tychicus, who conveys the heart. No, man, this has been a 16-month process, and God has been fashioning and forming these people for a moment such as this, and the things that God is planning to do here in this city and beyond. And, and yeah, there are going to be some challenges, but there is, there is no promised land that God invites us into without challenge. And, I man, I remember when the children of Israel were going in, and they looked at the promised land, and 10 of those guys said, man, they look like giants, but I want to be someone who has the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. What about you? That's the spirit of Tychicus. That's the spirit of a man and a messenger who carries the heart of what God is saying for the moment. I am sending him with the express purpose of telling you how I am doing and to encourage you, to encourage you. Let's go back to Colossians chapter four. Oh, there it is again. Look, look. Look, he sends Tychicus to an entire different group of people and he says the exact same thing that he may encourage you. You want to be a faithful minister? Guys, grow in your ministry of encouragement. You want to be a faithful minister? Learn how to be a faithful encourager. Learn how to see the good. Learn how to see the good. See the good, say the good. See the good, say the good. See the good, say the good. You know what I do with my kids? I'm like, kids, come around the dinner table. I want you to think this week. I want you to think today. Where did you see the good? Now say the good. And that's what a faithful minister is. A faithful minister carries the spirit of Barnabas. A faithful minister carries the spirit of an encourager. Guys, we have enough. We got enough landmines around us. We got enough people shooting us down. And here's the thing. Most of us who are leaders, we already know what we're not doing well in. Most of us who are leaders, we know that we don't communicate as well as we want to. We know we're not as polished as we want, we want to be. We know we don't sing as well as we want to be. We know we don't lead as well as we could. Why? Because leaders are our greatest critics. You know what we need? We need the spirit of Barnabas. We need an encourager to come around and say, don't you give up, man. We need you. Don't you give up, man. Keep working. Keep, keep being faithful. Keep practicing. Keep coming. Keep being ready. There's something that God is doing. We just need the spirit of encouragement around here. In fact, let me just show you here. 
in the book of Acts, how vital the spirit and the ministry of encouragement was in the book of Acts. What's the book of Acts? The book of Acts is the story of how the fledgling, young, baby, new church was born and survived in a period of hostility and persecution. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. When he arrived and he saw that the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord with all their hearts. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Those guys just came out of prison. Didn't know if they were going to make it. Singing songs in the midnight hour. Prison doors are broken open. And what's the first thing that they do? Where's Lydia at? We got to go and encourage the church. Let's go to Lydia's house. We got to encourage the church. We got to encourage the church. And then they left. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Paul traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people. You wanna be a faithful minister? Be okay with being hidden and unknown. You wanna be a faithful minister? Be trusted with the little things. You wanna be a faithful minister? Be a person who can be sent on an assignment. You want to be a faithful minister? Grow in the ministry of encouragement. And here's my last point here in the book of Titus. Here in the book of Titus. Titus. Many people believe that 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus were some of the last books that Paul had written. I want you to think about this apostle in the faith in the latter moments of his life the most important things that he is writing to the people that are around him. And look right here in chapter three of Titus, verse 12. Now, locate Paul in your imagination. He's old, he's frail, he's been abandoned by all of his workers. He's writing to Timothy and Titus for the work that he has labored the entirety of his ministry career. He is writing to these two young men. And here's what he says. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you. Who is Tychicus? Tychicus is a man that up until Paul's dying moments of life was a man who you could count on. He was a man who was trusted to be close. He was a man trusted with Paul's frailty. He was a man trusted with the little things. He was a man faithful and responsible. And so much so, Tychicus was showing up to prison saying, Paul, do you have any more letters to get out to the churches? Mm -hmm. Yes, Tychicus. If you'll do this one last thing for me, get this to Titus. 
Get this to Titus. Get this to Timothy. Paul sent Tychicus to Timothy. You'll find it at the last chapters of 2 Timothy. He sent Tychicus to Timothy. Who was Tychicus? Every single one of us are called into this ministry. Stand with me to your feet this morning, you guys. Friends, you are called to be faithful ministers. Do you know why? Not because there's some sense of grandeur or glory on the other side of it, but because Jesus was the ultimate faithful minister. It's the standard. It's the standard. So much so that when Jesus is telling parables about the end time, you know what he says? He says, hey, listen, take these things that I've given to you, cultivate them, steward them, make them better. And when you come back to me and you multiply them, here's what Jesus says. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh man, I'm just, I'm so excited right now. I'm just looking at your lives. God has you in these quiet places where he is fashioning you. He's building a message inside of you. He's honing skills inside of you. He's, he's strengthening character to endure and to withstand opposition and affliction inside of you. And you, at the end of your day, there's gonna be somebody that is calling upon you to carry a message. God's building faithfulness inside of you, friends, for kingdom work. And we're gonna stand side by side and the Lord's gonna look at us and he's gonna say, well done, well done. So proud of you, my good and faithful church, my good and faithful brothers and sisters. Friends, as we come to this table today, let us remember that we are following the good and faithful one. We are following the ultimate man who is faithful in ministry, faithful to follow the father into the very point of death for the sake of the reconciliation of the world. I invite you to the table this morning. We're gonna receive the bread, the cup of the Lord together. You can exit on your left, come and receive, and we'll all take this together, friends.